Welcome to the Reality Check Podcast. I'm Zachary Phillips. So in today's episode, I've got three different things for you. The first one, I'm going to read you out a blog post that I'm about to put up, but I wanted to give you guys a little sneak peek. And the second thing I'll be doing will be answering a couple of questions from my Patreon supporters. As you know, I use Patreon as a way to support what I'm doing here in the podcast, as well as the blogs and everything else that I'm doing. And as a small way of saying thank you to my supporters of no matter how much they decide to support me, I answer their questions as a part of a podcast, blog, or video. So stay tuned for that. And then following that, I'm going to give you some updates on the progress of how to get your shit together and some other housekeeping things. So yeah, stay tuned. Check it out. I hope you enjoy this episode. If someone opens up about their trauma, believe them. Something that doesn't get acknowledged enough is just how bad some situations can actually be. Trust me when I say that I know from personal experience how bad it can get. I speak to people on a daily basis about their living situations. Often these people share with me the regular abuse they face at the hands of their parents, friends, or partners. They discuss physical, sexual, emotional, and financial abuse, as well as the impact of untreated mental illness or addiction. This situation just adds to the regular life stresses that everyone faces. There is a peculiar thing that seems to occur when someone opens up about such situations. People who have experienced similar circumstances will immediately sympathize with the person and begin to share their own stories. This has tremendous healing benefits for all involved. Talking and sharing like circumstances helps everyone to not feel alone, as well as to share ideas for survival and then recovery. Readers of my first book, Under the Influence Reclaiming My Childhood, regularly message me saying that they've felt the way that I described feeling during and after their own experiences of emotional neglect and childhood trauma. A similar pasts cause us to develop a deep bond. Unfortunately, if the people listening to someone open up about their own trauma have not experienced similar life circumstances, they may not be as receptive. Of course this doesn't apply to all people, but there is a significant number who seem to downplay or straight up disbelieve. I've seen countless conversations where somebody is sharing an aspect of their traumatic and abusive home life, only to witness in shock as other people respond to the story with disbelief or an attempt to lessen the severity of the victim's situation. I hear things like, I'm sure it wasn't all that bad, or everyone's good inside, although he's hurting you, he does care for you deep down, or you'll be okay, after all, we all have our crosses to bear. And then behind their backs, I hear, why does she share that kind of stuff? If it was so bad, she wouldn't be talking about it. Or, he's clearly putting this on. Why would he stay with such an abusive partner? I wish I was making those up. It seems like people don't want to believe that there's evil in this world. They can't fathom how parents can abuse their children, husbands their wives, or vice versa, or that somebody could choose a drug over someone they claim to love. Accepting the claims of somebody opening up about their trauma as 100% truth would cause their idealistic worldview to shatter. Perhaps they've had a great upbringing and subsequently been extremely lucky since. This downplaying of reality really does hurt. It causes the victim of such trauma to doubt themselves, to believe that they are in fact the cause of the issue, or that they are weak for being impacted by it. It could cause them to keep to themselves, no longer feeling comfortable sharing with anyone, which is terrible for their ongoing mental health of course. Let's get real for a moment. Trauma is real. Addiction is real. Family violence is real. 
These all have a real-world impact upon their victims for years to come. Of course, therapy and other self-help options can reduce the impact, but often that impact is lifelong. At worst, it can lead to cycles of addiction, self-harm, and suicide. If someone opens up to you about their trauma, believe them. Realize that you are part of a small, select group of people that this person feels safe enough to trust with their pain. By telling you, they are in fact saying to you that you are special to them. So please, believe what they're saying. Offer your support and advice, or at least just compassion. Finally, if you think they're looking just for attention, and therefore it's fine to disbelieve or downplay their story of trauma, realize a couple of things. You may be wrong. Just because you think they're making it up doesn't mean they actually are. Think of how many times you've been wrong in the past. You could be wrong again. The majority of people won't lie about their trauma. However, if they are making it up, and remember you can never be certain about this, it still tells you something. It tells you that they are indeed suffering, emotionally at least. They are still giving you a cry for help. This shouldn't simply be ignored. People will often talk about suicide long before they attempt it. This means that people who are just wanting attention may in fact actually be wanting attention. They may be wanting enough attention to wait off those thoughts of suicide that are creeping up. As with trauma, always believe people who say they're suicidal. It may literally save their lives. If someone starts talking about trauma or suicide, try the following. Start by validating their feelings and let them know that you are listening. Say something like, I hear you. I'm really sorry that you're going through that. And then, depending on the situation, you could offer some practical advice. For example, suggesting anything that's worked for you in a similar situation, if you have lived through it. And then by suggesting the services of a therapist, doctor, book, or support group. You could also offer your support. For example, if you ever need to talk, I'm here for you. Or, do you want me to come to you with your first appointment? Or, what can I do to support you? Remember that unless you're a trained professional, it's not your role to save everyone, or even to personally intervene. If you are concerned for someone, but don't want to or can't intervene yourself, call emergency services, crisis response teams, their current therapists, or their school if they're a student. If what they tell you impacts you, remember to speak to a therapist yourself. So like I said, that's a little bit of a sneak peek at the blog that I'm about to put up. If you want to access my blog, you can do it through two places. One is through my website, zachary-phillips.com, and the second is through Medium, medium.com slash at Zach P. Phillips. Okay, on to the Patreon questions. So just before I get into it, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone that's supporting me on Patreon. It's... It's such an honor and a privilege to have all of your support. And even if you're not supporting me on Patreon, just the people that are connecting with me, private messaging me, reviewing what I'm doing online in terms of my books and podcasts and everything else that I'm doing, to the people that have purchased my books, thank you. Thank you to everyone. The the feedback and the support and the connection that I'm getting from this community that we're developing is incredible. Uh, it's, it's just blowing my mind away. So once again, I hope I do these questions justice because, you know, I, I can't thank you enough. So anyway, first question. Social anxiety is a major problem for me. I don't attend any social gatherings. I have no friends. 
and apart from a very well-planned grocery shop, I don't leave the house. I can go to my adult children's houses, which seem safe for me, but I hate loud music playing in shopping centres, and I can't tolerate noise. So my question is, how do I best deal with this? How do I deal with my social anxiety? Okay, so the first thing I want to say is, is there's no quick fix. People are always looking for a quick fix to big problems. And I'm responding to you, the person who asked this question, but to everyone with similar problems or just any sort of problems with a mental affliction, you're not going to have a quick fix. Recovery from any condition, any past trauma, anything that you're dealing with is long. It takes a long time. And I don't mean to say that to scare you. I mean to say that in a way that the progress will be slow. So that means that you will be able to make steps. You will be able to start moving towards a place that you want to get to, but just don't expect it to happen overnight. It will take years. And, you know, for me, I know that's the case at least. Coming from where I have been to where I am now, it's taken me so long and it's this small incremental journey. Like, so if you imagine like climbing up a long, long hill, slow steps, slow steps, slow steps. If you're constantly looking at the road in front of you, it might feel like you're not making any progress. But after a while, after a year, you might turn around and go, man, I'm so far up this hill. I'm so much better than I used to be. But because the progress is so slow, it may take, it may not, you might not be aware of the progress that you're making. So with that in mind, let's talk about ways to actually make some progress. My default answer for everyone, everyone, is if at all possible, see a therapist, get yourself a good therapist, okay? And the reason I say this is because through therapy, you can speak to and really delve deep into everything that's going on in your life, okay? So there will be a reason for your social anxiety. There'll be a cause for it. And through competent therapy, you'll be able to delve deep and start incrementally, you know, deconstructing why you are feeling that way and give small steps of how to recover from it. And obviously the message that I got is fairly brief and I haven't had a chance to talk in person in depth with you about, you know, what you're experiencing and then sort of trying to deconstruct why you may feel that way as, as well as sort of work on little sort of ways that you can work past it. I will give you some direct ideas that I think might help, but direct therapy with a competent therapist is the best bet in my mind. Now, there's a couple little caveats. One is if you do, if you can get yourself a therapist, if you can afford it, and I know depending on where you live and your financial situation and the country you come from, places like Australia, you do get 10 free sessions with a therapist. It's amazing. It's great. I don't think it's enough, but it's it's better than a lot of places where you have to pay and have to pay significant amounts for therapy or other places where therapists aren't available. So if you do have access to to a therapist, get yourself a good one. And if you find you're at a therapist and it's not helping you and you're not seeing, you know, the needle move, as in you're not getting better, find a different one. It's okay to change therapists if you don't have a good one. Let's say you don't have access to or can't afford a therapist. I'm very much an advocate of writing therapy. That means I'll write down how I'm feeling each day, sort of like a journal, and then review it. What made me have a good day? What made me have a bad day? What were my triggers? What made me feel good? And by writing it down, it sort of helps me to release the tension that's building up in my mind. And also, I can review it and see what triggered me. 
And that's sort of like a, a dual pronged approach. The writing therapy helps because I'm writing it down and expressing it, but reviewing it can help me to see my triggers and sort of best plan my day. Given what you've said, it sounds like you know what triggers you, but I still would suggest that you go down the process of figuring out exactly the things that, that impact you. Okay, so start a journal, start writing down how you're feeling each day, write down what was good and what was bad, because you might also find that that your your days are actually better than they feel than when you're sort of looking back upon them when you're in a bad mental state. I know that when I'm down, when I'm depressed, when I'm anxious, I look back at my past and it feels like I've always been like that. But when I go to my journal, when I look over my past, I can see that that's not the case. It just feels like the case now because I'm in a bad mental state now. So I would hate for you to feel like you're always in a particular situation when the reality of it may be different. So the next thing would be how to actually address social anxiety in the moment. When I'm suffering from an anxiety attack, I like to acknowledge and accept what I'm feeling. I find that if I fight against it, if I go, if I push back against it, if I start worrying about what's actually happening in the anxiety attack, it makes it worse. I know that it might sound counterintuitive, but if you acknowledge what's happening, if you accept what's happening, its severity is lessened. It doesn't stop the attack, but it sort of makes the impact less. If I have a panic attack and I start worrying about the panic attack, it compounds that panic attack. Does that make sense? If I worry about it, it gets worse. So what I try to do now is just accept what's happening and let it pass because I know it will pass. If I find that I'm in a social situation that I'm not not coping with, that I'm struggling, I'll excuse myself to a bathroom and sort of try and take some calm, deep, relaxing sort of meditative breaths and recover myself. I might put some headphones in and listen to a song, or if it's too much, I'll just leave and just express to the person later on openly and honestly and saying, hey, this is me. Now, I have the luxury of being okay with sharing with whoever I'm around my mental state and my mental concerns. And if, if people don't accept me for that, then they're not really someone that I'm going to keep in my life, unfortunately. So I'm sort of happy to express how I am mentally and my impacts. So when if I do leave a party early or if I do leave a social situation early or if I don't turn up to something, I'll express to the person exactly why. The next thing I'll suggest is is to plan ahead. So you, you do seem to suggest in your question that you know what triggers you and what doesn't trigger you and you feel safer at your, your children's house than at other places. So it's good. It's good that you know what will trigger you. So I would always suggest guarding your mental state at all times. And that means, you know, planning ahead, working out the best routes and the best ways that you can not cause yourself to have a breakdown. That being said, I would also suggest that you take very, very small steps to push yourself. So plan ahead, but also be a little bit adventurous. Take what's what's the smallest thing that you could do to work towards overcoming the anxiety? Do you know what I mean? Like it's going to be hard. This isn't going to be an easy process. And like I said at the start, it's going to take time. It will, it's going to take a lot of time, but the only way that you're going to move the needle is, is, is if you decide to sort of attack it. And I don't mean like going all out and going to a massive rave because you'll you'll overwhelm yourself and it will be too much. What I'm saying is instead, work out the smallest step that you could do. So let's say you're you go to your your children's house and that's a good, you know, you're in a safe place. Maybe you could go with them for a walk around the block, just a small one. Or if that's too much, just step outside onto the street. Or perhaps go with them to a to a shopping center in a quiet day. And stay there for a little bit longer. 
Do you sort of see what I'm saying? Not Don't overwhelm yourself. Take it slow. Go easy. And if you feel yourself struggling, leave. But just start, start taking the smallest step possible. And the final thing I would suggest would be to seek online communities for support. I'm a massive fan of Facebook groups. And if, if anyone listening isn't aware, I've got a Facebook group for my book, How to Get Your Shit Together. If you search Facebook groups for How to Get Your Shit Together or just search for my name, Zachary Phillips, if you follow my page, you'll see a link to that support group. There'll be people there that can relate and connect with you. There are many, many online Facebook groups that will support you for anything that you've got going on. So I've seen ones for people with um, abusive partners or people with social anxiety or people with depression or people with addicted kids. Like there's, there's support groups for everything. Just do a quick search, find out the different support groups that you have and just connect and join and just, just look and read. And if you like the, if you like the, the feel of them, then start interacting. And the same thing's true for Reddit. If you search for a particular subreddit, Reddit's like a collection of message boards and a bunch of people get onto the message boards and talk about different topics. And I guarantee you there will be a message board out there that will have like-minded people, as in people with similar issues, concerns, and struggles to you, and you'll be able to connect and sort of share and get support there. I've heard of many people finding online communities that that because they're all going through similar things, similar life circumstances, they've made deep friendships. Yes, it's online. Yes, it's a bit different to the, quote, traditional way of making friends, but it's a start and it's a community of like-minded people. Why not try there? And please, if if this answer isn't detailed enough, if you feel like you need more, respond back to me and I'm more than happy to go into more depth in any of these topics. Second question. What is the most overlooked aspect of mental illness that you feel needs to be addressed more often? It's hard to pin down any one aspect, but I have to go with my my first response. My, My default response was that Mental health recovery isn't just like a fixing a crisis point and then the person's fine. I see a lot of people struggling and it's like they're dealing with suicide or self-harm in the moment. And it's this massive crisis point and friends and family and the community in general quickly jumps on board to help them. And this is great. Don't get me wrong. That's necessary and it's needed. And if someone's struggling with something right now, by all means, let's get on board and help them. But the problem is, is that that person's suffering doesn't end when that immediate crisis is over. So like, let's say you're, you, you've helped someone through or the, this person's been suicidal and now they're no longer suicidal. That doesn't mean they're better and they're back to normal functioning. It doesn't mean that they're like, okay, well, you know, I was suicidal and now I'm fine. Mental health doesn't work like that. It's it's a long, long ongoing process as, as you'll gather from what I'm my previous response, recovery takes ages and it takes continual support and connection and community and help. You know, like it's, it's, I think people feel like they've, they've done their job or the community's done their job. If the person's, you know, put the knife down or put the gun down and they've recovered. And I, I just don't think that's a reasonable response. And And I get it. I get why that's the case. It's because you know, the, the there's another always another crisis. There's always personal issues to deal with. There's always another thing that we have to, to manage. I'm not exactly sure of the solution to this, but I think just raising awareness of the fact that 
just because the person's no longer in immediate danger of committing suicide or self-harm doesn't mean they're instantly better and instantly functional and instantly okay. You know, I'm in, I'm in a relatively good place comparative to how I was, but I can't hold down a full-time job. I, I literally, um, you know, I do replacement teaching as a way to support myself until what I'm doing here takes off. And, and, you know, I'm lucky enough to be getting more support and be getting more book sales and all of that sort of stuff, but I still have to work and I still have to work doing a job that causes me mental duress. I enjoy teaching, but it, it literally does take a toll on me. I've been trying to work a bit more now because as the holidays approach, work will dry up. So I'm accepting everything I can. And that's actually resulted in me coming down with a case of shingles. And that's that's basically the chickenpox virus resurfacing. And it often happens to people that are already suffering from, from some other condition or for when people are under quite a lot of stress. And that's that's my case in the sense that I've been working basically a full-time hours trying to save up money because I know that the work will dry up. But I'm just not capable of continuous full-time work. And I'm not sharing this as a sap story or to guilt anyone into supporting me. I'm sharing this because although I'm quote-unquote functioning, I'm not functioning at a level that other people are. I'm still recovering. I'm not suicidal. I haven't self-harmed in months, maybe years. Yet, I'm still not fully recovered. And I know that other people are going through that exact same situation. They, they, they were in a place of suffering and people did come to them for support. But once they're no longer in that dire straits, they're still struggling. And yet that support seems to disappear from all but a very, very core group of friends or family, if you're lucky. So I just wanted to highlight that fact. So yeah, if you know that someone's been suffering, and if you know that they've been in a really bad place, they're probably still suffering, but just to a lesser extent. So why not just check in with them? Yeah? So the final question isn't so much a question, more as an explanation of a feeling of being trapped. This person lived through an abusive childhood and lives in a border town between two different countries and is struggling as a half-caste of two different races to feel a connection. They've been born in one country, raised in another, so they feel like they don't have a community to connect with. They suffer with anxiety, depression, and night terrors, and just feel like their situation won't change. And the final thing is, is the mental health acceptance and situation in their country is poor. There's a lot of stigma about it and not many resources. So, so first of all, I'd like to say that I'm sorry that you are struggling with your situation so much. I know that some countries just have, you know, bad infrastructure around mental health and, you know, healthcare in general. And the stigma in some places is still terrible. That being said, you were lucky enough to live in the 21st century, which means that if you have access to the internet, you can access online communities, as I shared in the previous question, and find people that will accept and will understand and will be able to relate to your situation.
They may not be able to talk to you about it in person. They may not feel comfortable connecting in person. But there will be people and places that you can go online to get this sort of community feel. I know there will be. You talk about being a, you know, a basically a minority and not feeling connected in person. I guarantee you there are communities of people out there online that feel the same. And I know that this isn't the same as an in-person community. I know that. But I think that given your situation, given that it's such a it's such a challenge for you, and I couldn't imagine how how you feel on a day-to-day basis dealing with that. It's all about finding the joy in any way you can. You know, getting those small little bits of happiness out of a otherwise poor situation. I can only talk from my own experience and my own childhood. So when I was with my father in a basically neglectful and at worst abusive situation, it was terrible. But even in that bad place, there were still moments and aspects of it that were enjoyable, that were nice, that I did felt love and connection, that I could sort of remember back on with some sort of feeling of happiness. And I know that this isn't the best solution, but if you can look look at any aspect of your situation and hunt for that joy and try and sort of live in that space, because there will be things, like you said in your in your question, you talked about getting some joy from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Live in those moments, be as fully present in those moments of happiness and try and just stay there as long as possible. And like I said, Find people online online that you can share and talk with. And as I said with the previous one of the previous questions, you will have to acknowledge and accept the situation you're in for what it is. And that does suck, but like you did mention, there is hope for the future. You talked about your children working to make that social change, working to sort of help make mental illness in your country a little bit more accepted. Perhaps you can help them with that journey. Perhaps you can be a role model. Perhaps you can start taking action little bit by little bit yourself. This isn't going to be easy. I know that. But it's something that you can do to at least start impacting the change in a positive situation and helping to, to shape your future and to shape the future of your kids. I'm sorry that I can't provide any more advice on this situation other than to, to say live in the positive find online communities that you can connect with and be that role model for your kids that you would want them that that you would have wanted to have for yourself growing up so once again thank you for everyone for giving me your questions i i i'm honored and amazed and so happy that you would consider supporting me and if you're listening to this and do want to support me the best way you can do is through Patreon at patreon.com slash Zach P. Phillips. All I'm asking for is $1 per month. That's the smallest amount that you can ask for on Patreon. And I think it's a good amount to ask for because on your end, it for most of you, it will be unnoticeable. But on my end, if a bunch of you guys get together and support me, it'll make a massive difference on my end. It'll mean that I can make more blogs, podcasts, videos, and commit more time to this projects. So the final thing I want to do is just a little bit of housekeeping, let you know what I'm up to. I'm in the final stages of recording and editing the audiobook of How to Get Your Shit Together. 
and I'm pretty happy with how it's turning out. I'm pushing hard to release it and wanting to get it out to you as quickly as possible. My ideal would be that it's out and ready to purchase and ready to go by mid-December. I'm not going to set a hard deadline because I know that things take a bunch of extra time and all that sort of stuff, but that's my goal. I'm working hard for it. And that's part of the reasons why I haven't been able to release the next chapters of Upgrade or Under the Influence online. My goal is with everything I do to share everything online for free. Basically, I think that everything in today's world should be put out there for free. And if you're enjoying what people are doing, you should support them. You should voluntarily support them. So if if you are interested in my previous books, you can see a couple of the chapters that I've got online for free. And once I've got How to Get Your Shit Together out, I will get back to my schedule of posting those. So I am behind and I do apologize for that. But I think that on the whole, getting How to Get Shit Together out is much more important than uploading chapters of my previous books that are already out and available for purchase if you want them. So yeah, thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.